Hello, everyone, and welcome back. My name is Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories. And of course, this is Wednesday, which means... Ready! Aim! Side cannons! Just that little last one for good effect. Hello everyone and how do you do? Kingdom God. <laughs> Kingdom God. Hello. It's good to have you here. Welcome to the stream. I see that you've been chatting with Sander about what this all may well be and how you can get involved. Uh, thank you very much for the follow. I appreciate it. Um, uh, and I, I hope that you will join in today. I saw there were some questions as to whether or not you could jump in on day one. The answer is yes. Uh, I would simply advise you to sort of, you know, catch the, catch the vibe for chat working together on this. I'm going to take the first best thing, um, the thing that makes the most sense for the history that I know of the character Igor, um, because there is some history to this character. We are a few episodes in at this point. So, here's what I'll tell y'all. Um, we're going to do some catching up here first, but uh, after that, I'm going to hit a bit of review. We're going to talk about our current quests, and then we are going to launch in and play. And if you want to find out more about how to actually do that, you can use the play command uh, or the lore command. They both do the same thing at this point. Um, and uh, you can see the, the little commands down there. In essence, if you want Igor to do something, start your message with that ampersand symbol. If you want Igor to say something, put it in quotes. Simple as that. Um, Y'all are playing the character Igor. Um, we'll go through a little bit of uh, review as to like who Igor is and what his deal is. Uh, and then I am playing Illyria, and we'll go through a bit of review for them as well. I also see Morbid. Hello, Morbid Angel. How are you doing? Hope everybody's well today. Um, we had, wow, a heck of an adventure last week. Um, on the internet front, it was a little wonky. Uh, Sander, I, I really appreciate you taking a look uh, for that sort of thing. And I, I can also say that some folks around here who also do a, a lot of streaming in the same way that I do, uh, also use a lot of bandwidth at once. They also um, uh, do RPGs and they also had a similar issue to me. Uh, they were able to fix that by getting a new router. Um, and once, once my situation, I think, is a little bit more settled uh, in the fall, sort of late fall, um, I may well grab another router because they said they got a new one and never had another issue. So it's good news knowing that there's, you know, something there that I can try. Morbid, thank you very much for the follow. Welcome to the Punk Ruffians. Welcome. Welcome, you nerds. It's good to have you here. Uh, and then, of course, um, let's see. Leafy Toes caught me on a day when I wasn't streaming, but thank you for the follow nonetheless. Uh, folks, if you are here to play the game, don't forget use the play command or the lower command. And without further ado, let's get on this, shall we? Welcome back to Night School at Vesperal Academy. 
In our last episode, we left in the caves with Chu and Illyria trying to get prepared for some threat from the forest. But let's rewind a bit. Let's go back to the start. Illyria and Igor. Two very young travelers, thrown together by fate. They found themselves in the town of Dongreet together with a gang, a frontier gang called the Wild Stallions, kind of breathing down their necks to case the joint, to courier some things for them. They'd been here for a few months when suddenly... The town gets hotter than usual. Uh, a, a gang of hunters comes in off of the frontier, uh, who the locals, after this gang gets, uh, well, gets into a, a, f a flat out battle in the middle of town with the Dawn Greet Town Guard. This group is identified as the Lucabrusca Hunters, or simply Lucabrusca. Seems to be hiding in the forest nearby. But after that fight, the uh, that night, one of our characters, Igor, um, unfortunately was killed. We don't know by whom yet, uh, although it is one of Igor's missions to find out. Shortly after that, Illyria was caught in the forest surrounded by wolves and ended up getting bit. And because of the sort of wolves they were, um, werewolves, Illyria now finds himself a werewolf as well. They found their way to this school, Castle Vesperal, um, and the Vesperal Academy. It is a secret school set up by and for Duskin. Uh, Duskin being vampires, ghosts, lichen, etc. And over our few weeks here, um, we've made a few enemies made a few friends. Uh, Igor has been trying his darndest with a ghost girl named Penelli, although that seems to, at every turn, something seems to go wrong. Uh, Illyria is trying to better understand what it means to be a lichen and how best to manage these new instincts that threaten to overwhelm them. Finally, we catch up with Chu. Uh, Chu is the leader of the sort of largest lichen faction, largest coherent one in the school. Um, and we caught up with Chu last week in the middle of a, the middle of a dispute, a dispute for power. The, um, the gang that she runs, one of the members uh, decided that they didn't like the direction that Chu was taking, letting in folks who perhaps were not born as Lycan, but were bit and uh, entered into it that way. Um, but Chu was able to put down that little rebellion very quickly and very handily. Um, after that, Illyria sort of decided to take a two-pronged approach. Um, I decided to roll 50-50 for it uh, a few weeks ago, but it seems sensible now that Illyria would open up their options, uh, and now Illyria is looking to Chu as uh, for, for a bit of guidance, because Chu has proven herself to be uh, an adept leader, even if Chu was a little harsh, perhaps, a little um, <laughs> over-enthusiastic about something that really terrified Illyria before. That's where we find ourselves, uh, and of course, 
here at Gambler's Fall, these little waterfall cave network on the River Argent, over as far away as possible from the castle while still being technically part of castle grounds, this is where Chu began to train Illyria and also, at the very end of the episode, where Chu receives a runner. A little group of people uh, who seem to have escaped some deadly threat in the forest and insists that they are coming. That is where we are, folks. That's where we're at. Um, and then uh, we've got a few questions in chat, it would seem. Uh, let's see. King Num uh, says, what is Shadow 3, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, indeed, so let me tell you a bit about our characters. Let's start with uh, Illyria, because this is me. Um, Illyria, Illyria is a, uh, a human. They're from the Oxbands up north, uh, basically the... You could imagine it as Viking sort of territory um, up north of the Recidus Towers. Uh, a bit of foreknowledge about the world. In the realms of Recidus, there is only one city. There are towns and even the occasional small keep, but there is only one city, and that city is Recidus Towers, uh, a massive, sprawling, magical metropolis of high towers and widespread Outside of that is the frontier, uh, and we are uh, in the shallow frontier. We're not deep out into it yet, um, uh, because Castle Vesperal is here in the shallow frontier, right on, uh, right on disputed territory, it would seem. <clears throat> My character, Illyria, as I said, from up north, um, I am. Uh, I have got one edge. Edge being your sort of uh, your speed, uh, quickness, nimbleness, uh, and sort of range attack sort of stuff. Uh, I've got two heart, heart relating to the uh, sort of interpersonal relationships. <clears throat> Three iron, which includes toughness and melee. Uh, one shadow, which is your deception and sneaking, uh, and then two wits, which is your intuition, your intelligence, your memory, etc. Igor. Uh, has got two edge, so uh, two edge and two wits, so uh, kind of above average for um, your range attacks, your um, uh, intuition. Uh, below average for heart and iron, so not terribly tough, uh, and maybe not super personable, but three shadow. So quite high above average. Uh, in terms of ability to sneak around. <laughs> um, Igor has also got a number of assets to aid this. Uh, in the game of Iron Sworn, you use assets for all of your character advancement. And so, um, Igor has got four assets. One is Ghost. This relates to Igor's ability to manifest those ghostly things like uh, moving through walls, that sort of thing. Um, Alchemist. Igor is a, a light alchemist, going to continue to train in that. Um, an infiltrator, which helps to sneak around. Uh, and then, of course, trickster, which uh, deals with lying, cheating, and all the sorts. There we are. Um, now, in addition to this, uh, I see King Numgod has used the quest term, which brings up our current quests. Um, the Game of Iron Sworn works in terms of vows. That is how all progression is handled. And 
What that means for us is they're essentially self-assigned quests. We choose what qualifies as a quest, we choose how difficult we anticipate it's going to be, um, and then we go ahead and undertake the quest. Every time we reach a milestone, uh, we are going to check off some tick boxes there uh, and then eventually try to get some XP from that. And we can use that XP to buy assets and asset level ups. It's all sounds a little complicated, but frankly, Ironsworn is a very simple system to get the basics of. Uh, and then there's a lot of depth behind that. It makes it a very good system in my book. As you can see, uh, we've got some quests here on the list. Uh, I'm going to read off Igor's quests to ask if y'all um, uh, would like to add anything, change anything up. Uh, here are your current quests. They range one star for pretty easy to five stars for very difficult. Igor's current quests, four stars, avenge your own death. Igor is currently in the process of trying to figure out who was responsible. Uh, the big clue that you have so far is simply that whoever killed you used a chain around your neck. And that chain had glowing runes on it, the same that Luca Brusca used. A one-star quest. Make a good impression on Pinelli. This uh, has actually been upgraded to a two-star quest uh, because the dice, the dice simply are not cooperating. Um, and as such, every time you try to make a good impression on Pinelli, every time you try to get a little closer, um, it goes really poorly. And at this point, Pinelli has actually asked you to stay away. Um, so you are. It, it has upgraded to a two-star quest, and you have been knocked down to. You are at nine out of 10 progress. Uh, you are now knocked all the way down to one out of 10. Uh, before, when y'all were so close, I would have said, absolutely don't, um, you know, please don't try to uh, forsake your vow in this case, because y'all were close up at the top there. Now, um, although I'm not necessarily gonna recommend one way or another, it would at least make logistical sense uh, to consider it. Um, finally, the, uh, three-star quest, Pursue Academia, um, and then, uh, Study the History of Duskin, which y'all actually completed and you got some XP for, so, uh, really the last one is that three-star quest, Pursue Academia, head off to class, etc. Um, now, with all that said, folks, I want to thank you very, very much for joining me. My name is, of course, Sam, as I mentioned before. This is Sidecar Stories. And this is Wednesday, where we tell some stories with a roll of the dice, because I love it. Folks, welcome to Chapter 13 of Night School at Vesperal Academy.
The sound of the waterfall, the many waterfalls of Gambler's Fall, obscure noises, which is good for our defenders of Gambler's Fall. Choose gang, dressed in their black leather with their piercings, and their usually tough faces drawn tightly with anxiety. They hide in the nooks and crannies that only they know in this rocky outcrop. Yes, the sound of the river obscures the sounds of them sharpening what few weapons they're able to assemble, sneaking them out of the school, out of supply closets and expeditioneering classrooms. But there's not much. Not much with which to defend Gambler's fall from whatever is coming. Yes, the sound of the river does indeed mask the sound of moaning from half-conscious victims of something out in the forest. These victims, adults, in fact the first adults to darken the rough-hewn corridors of these cave systems here, they are from the logging operations. They belong to the pack of the Eternal Hunger, but the real one, the big one, the one that lives out in the forests north of Dongreet, um, the one to whom Chu owes her allegiance, and yet they don't interact with the school often. Yes, the sounds of the waterfall do an excellent job of masking the groans of pain as these wounded are carried deep, deep into the caverns underneath Gambler's Fall. And yet, it also does a good job masking the sound of whatever is coming next. Chu and her gang of werewolves listen closely. They turn up their noses, and some of them, the more adept among them, some of the purebloods, they turn their noses up to the wind and try to catch whatever might be coming next. In the forest, not a thing moves. Until suddenly. Crunching leaves and sticks. Everything is soggy from the last few days of icy sleet that has come down. It's absolutely frigid outside, and through the woods comes a shaking, seemingly terrified individual. Oh no. I don't know. Please. Please. Let me come in. Chu looks at her lieutenant, Steele. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Nobody's supposed to know about this place. Please. 
please? Well, get her inside. Being too loud, we don't want them to... Unless... This is the threat is coming. Steel and Chu look at one another. Dark looks overfall their faces as they wonder if this woman, this ragged woman, is indeed the threat on its way from the forest, and then another. Another individual crashing through the forest, just wandering through, and before long, Chu looks out from this rocky outcropping, slightly elevated for good pouncing position, and sees that there are dozens, dozens of ragged individuals. The lumberjacks that were here earlier, the ones that uh, Monty has been carrying back one at a time so that Illyria can tend to their wounds uh, with their herbalism skills, whatever mild skills they may have, these lumberjacks were all part of the timber operations that the um, uh, that this pack sort of uses to keep themselves financially afloat. However, Steel, this tall, lanky, uh, blonde-haired lichen uh, who retains a mostly human form, although uh, some sizable fangs now appear. The ones that came in before, they were definitely from the timberjacks. These people, I recognize them. They're just farmers, miners. They live here. They, they live to the north of Dongree. They're just settlers. All right, so what they doing here? I don't know. But they don't look too good. And indeed, looking out over this rabble, wander through the forest, seemingly lost. They're all heading south. Some of them seem to be aware of something going on. Uh, you see upturned noses um, as some of them seem to sniff their way toward the spilled blood of the timberjacks that came first. And now, almost like zombies in the forest, they wander through the trees. Lost Many of them have wounds, but most of them simply look starving and tired. Men, women, children, adults, um, uh, all sorts of folks who wander through and seem entirely lost. Chu looks out at this group of, for better word, for lack of a better word, refugees, and says, "All right, we've got to decide what to do about them. I don't see anybody else around to make these decisions." Yep, boss, I think it's pretty much you. back in the caves. Illyria is furiously tending to whoever is set in front of them. Illyria finds that uh, their skills as a healer are in high demand right now. Um, first, it is these timberjacks who, in various states of transformation, seem to have been uh, wounded by 
very vicious weapons. Um, there are marks from bludgeoning weapons uh, that when Illyria examines them closely, they can see there are little marks, little raised welts, wherein the carvings of uh, these runes left a little bit of an impression. And uh, indeed, some of the slashing wounds, uh, some of the deep cuts, uh, they have got... They're, they're simply bleeding like crazy um, uh, in ways that should be very difficult to injure a lichen. These lichen are very injured. Um, and, uh, of course, the main bits of evidence that Illyria has, these two crossbow bolts carved with these runes uh, and stuck inside a couple of these timberjacks. Um, no one is particularly conscious, and Chu has come back regularly to catch up and try and figure out when her brother is going to wake up. Uh, her brother is still unconscious, um, seems to have caught a massive uh, blunt wound to the chest. Illyria knows broken ribs are probably involved, and yet... This might be beyond what Illyria can do. Oh, no, no, no. Against two sixes? That's a match. I rolled a one. Against matching challenge dice? I missed. Illyria tries their best. Illyria tries. But these wounds are... Horrifying. They don't close when they should. None of the packs or poultices that Illyria is able to put together will do anything to stop what happens next. These lichen lying in absolute agony or total unconscious oblivion, they start to slip away. This is beyond what Illyria can do. She watches as the blood runs out of faces, and Illyria can't be confident whether or not they are dead, but breathing slows and comes to a stop for at least one. As a matter of fact, Chu's brother, his breathing becomes more and more, lab more, and more labored, until finally... <laughs> Illyria can't take it anymore. Illyria rushes out. Monty yells after them. Hey, where you going? There's still hearth. Hey! Illyria runs, terrified. Running through these caverns, Illyria can see Lycan. All of them young, uh, trying to defend against whatever's coming next. Some of them have put up timbers, uh, makeshift doors against some of these caverns, blocking off certain passageways. Uh, others have got whatever meager weapons they were able to assemble. And by weapons, I mean more along the lines of sharpened sticks and broken glass. Illyria runs, terrified, and bumps straight into Chu. Chu is hustling down the the, uh, the cavern here um, through this puddle of water, and our feet splash together as we suddenly collide around a corner. Chu looks concerned. Hey, tell me about my brother. Is he all right? Still breathing? Um, Chu, I, 
I couldn't do anything for them. I can help someone who's breathing a lot of the water. I can get fish hooks out of limbs, but someone tried to kill them. Shoot, someone tried to kill them. They are... I don't know what to do. I can't help. Chu catches her breath. You can tell she's trying to maintain this business mode that she had to get into when everyone looked to her. All of these werebears and wereboars and werewolves and ravens and owls, when all of them looked to her for what to do next, they're still looking. Glowing eyes pop around corners, waiting to see what the new orders are. And so, Chu chokes back whatever happens inside her heart. All right, all right. I want you to run. I want you to run back to the castle and tell them what's happening here. Tell them there are people injured. Tell them that the forest is full of settlers, townspeople, not from Dongri, they're from the north. Tell them to hurry. Chu takes a deep breath, and Illyria just nods, wide-eyed. Illyria takes off down this corridor, running out into the places where there is more sunlight. Illyria runs down these caverns, splashing their feet through the streams that run through and have carved these over ages. Um, the sounds of rushing water continue to dampen all the other sounds as she runs past other students, uh, people their own age, people who uh, frankly don't have the size, the skill, the experience to handle something like this. They continue to run. Before long, they find themselves out in the forest. They keep running and... Gonna roll again. We've got a couple of rolls here. I think two to get back to Castle Vesperal. These are going to be edge rolls, not something that Illyria is particularly adept with, which is bad news for Illyria. Um, I'm going to see if I can get back to the castle. That is a partial success. Illyria hurries through the forest. The sun is not yet beginning to rise, but it will within the next hour or so, which is bad news if Illyria wants to get anyone here to help that isn't a lichen. If Illyria can go fast enough, maybe they can get someone, maybe they can sort of muster more of the school here. Uh, Illyria runs through the forest, stumbling, trying to remember the path that they took to get here, and really only being able to find it by virtue of the sense that their group left on the way out here, just following that trail backward up toward the school. Unfortunately, out in the forests, there's shouting. <laughs> Screaming, skirmishes happening around Illyria, but they have no choice but to hurry forward. The sounds seem to be coming from over the river, down uh, to the north, um, downhill to the north, uh, across the quieter part of the river, uh, after it has already passed through the falls. 
Illyria continues to run and crosses through the uh, the, the ranch grounds. The ranch here, uh, fairly close to the castle, um, with its large wagon yard. Uh, as Illyria finally catches up with a landmark that they recognize, nearby, across the river, Illyria can hear these sounds of skirmish. Here on the main map, uh, on the map of the Castle Vesperal, we can see that uh, Illyria is coming from the far left-hand side. Um, that is uh, the western edge. If you continue in that direction, that is where you will find the point of the dagger. Um, up at the northern edge of this smaller map, which mo mostly encompasses just the hilt end, just the end closest to the castle, um, up in the northwestern corner uh, we have got the ranch grounds uh, and then along the north and along the south both flow the river Argent uh, and then um, Illyria runs across the little road that leads down to the ranch tries to decide where to head first and remembering the incident on the bridge after uh, hanging out for a little too long down at the uh, down at the water wheel on the ranch grounds, uh, Illyria decides instead to head through this last bit of forest and cross the parade grounds to the castle. There are students out here practicing. Um, there are still some who seem to be uh, loitering around in the ruined arena of the athletic field uh, after the menagerie game that ended hours ago as Illyria and Chu chatted in Gambler's Fall. Illyria reaches the castle. And panting, they say, There's someone coming. There's someone coming down at the far edge of the forest, uh, down close to the waterfall. This is a... Sandra says, oh, and the map you see on the screen is the castle school we, uh, the castle school where we live and study. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Okay. Um... Yeah, we're gonna try and uh, we're gonna try and get back to to Igor here because I think that is one of the main people that Illyria is looking for. Um, Igor is more of a planner than anyone else, and <laughs> or I should say between the two of them, Igor is the planner. Um, uh, Illyria uh, simply calling out to whoever might be able to hear. Um, the sleet here at the castle has abated, but the ground is wet and muddy, and just trying to climb the hill up to the parade grounds is tough. Uh, Illyria covered in mud slogs across these muddy parade grounds and toward the castle, uh, trying to wave down a group of expeditioning students who seem to have just finished up their uh, their classes. Um, let's see how persuasive Illyria is. This is going to be a heart roll. Okay, there we go. Against a one and a two. Brisley! Brisley! Get the Brisley! Brisley! There's been an attack. Um, Brizzly isn't here at the moment, but Corzon is. And Corzon, uh, with his massive hair underneath this beanie, he snaps his head toward us, uh, listens carefully, and although he looks at us with a glare, um, he turns and rushes inside and says, This better not be some sort of prank. Illyria, otherwise you will never be a part of the department. 
Um, Illyria simply too exhausted to try and manage that relationship right now. Uh, Illyria collapses onto the field, but not for long. Instead, they get up and slog in toward the castle once more. Inside the castle, Igor, you are listening to the sound of a lecture. Currently, uh, you sit in uh, a fairly large classroom uh, with a um, kind of an amphitheater-style seating arrangement. Down below is your beak, and this beak is, of course, your history professor, Orif Barsarand, a.k.a. Uh, someone who have you... <laughs> I believe you've named the Bone Man before, um, which, frankly, he does not mind. He likes the, the dark ring to it. He, with his bones, uh, his, his, uh, the, the little bones stitched all over his tuxedo and top hat style uh, outfit, um, these little bones stitched in place of buttons and in place of uh, uh, sort of fringe and detailing, all these little tiny bones cover his outfit uh and a hand a skeletal hand uh stitched into the front of his top hat um which he keeps on seemingly at all times he has got his feet kicked up onto uh, a desk one of whose legs uh is sort of like shattered off and rocks back and forth gently as he uh <laughs> tries to use it to relax you can tell he's getting a bit annoyed by this but the news has not hit the classroom yet, and right now, Igor is in the middle of a lecture. And so, us vampires find ourselves at a bit of uh, an impasse with the lichens. Overall, you're going to find out there in the world... Your friends, your enemies, it's going to depend far more on who you wrong and who you do your favours for. He sort of looks underneath the brim of his hat at all of you briefly. Now, that's when you get into trouble in larger groups, all right? So, there are houses of vampires. There are packs of lichen. And there are dynasties of ghosts too, but we don't really call them much. These dynasties are all linked up by something. Vampire dynasties linked by blood. Lycan dynasties linked by blood. Ghost dynasties linked by whatever's keeping them here. Something, some part of their legacy being uncertain. We know this much already, but you might find ghost towns. You might find collections of ghosts, some of them that even rove around. You find this much more frequently off to the west. The western side of the, the shallow frontier outside of the uh, the towers there. You're going to find that, uh, that that tends to be ghost territory much more. Now, we find ourselves here in the castle. This here, right on the border between... Lightning territory to the north and vampire territory to the south. Now there's more than one group of vampires and they're all they're not all friends. More than one group of lichen. They're not all friends either. There's a uh, there's a pack close by. 
pack of the eternal hunger. Now this pack, the large, but as is implied by their name, and I look around here for someone I could call on to ask for confirmation of this for the class, and of course I see not a single member of Chew's little gang. He pulls uh, a, a bone with a sharp point off of his hat, starts to use it to pick his teeth. And Igor, I want to say, by the way, you are in this class right now. Uh, and so if you've got, like, questions or something, feel free to pop them in chat, uh, and Igor will ask them. Yeah, not a one. But if they were here, they would confirm for you that uh, to be a member of that pack, whether you're a werewolf or a bear or what have you, there is some deep drive to consume. Now, that is what unifies them. There are other liking packs, other ones that uh, might be living a little bit out more in the open like that. But for the most part, for the most part, up to the north, down to the south, off to the west, wherever you go, dusking, like us, don't live out in the open. We just don't. You're going to find, uh, some of you have found already, and uh, he looks up toward Penelope, who is currently sitting at the back of the class uh, and will not meet your eyes when you turn over your shoulder to look at her, Igor. He glances at her for just a moment, um, and then continues, looking around the room once more. If you lived out in a world before coming here, you may have some experience with this. Duskin. We're scary. And he makes a sudden noise as his boots slam onto the floor and his fists slam onto the desk where his feet were sitting just before. Um, the the various instruments and such on his desk suddenly shake and rattle and his eyes go wide and you can see that faint red vampiric glow behind them. His fangs bare. <laughs> uh, well, you might be able to see why the average person might not be super keen on making us their first friend in the world, yeah? But there lies the trouble. Many of us are beset by these instincts, but it don't matter what we try to do to slough them off. The people of the realms, they don't understand what it is to be dusking. All they understand is the fear that they feel. You remember on your first day, a uh, bit of a haunted house. <laughs> He giggles to himself. That weren't just frivolous. There was a point to that, all right? We were able to identify some of the things that you were afraid of most. Being alone. Creepy crawlies. Being part of a team. All of this is important to you because fear, whether it's in some cities in other realms or if it's in your heart yourself, that fear might well rule you if you don't try to understand it. I'm from a vampire house from down south. 
Known the rest of my house. Put much stock by this idea. The idea of understanding fear. They all think you should just chuck it away. Get rid of it. It's not how fear works. No, somewhere deep inside everybody there's, there's a little fear of something. And I can say since being here, well, I've at least got some good practice in pushing it away. <laughs> some of you are going to do better than I do. We'll see. But all these houses, these are the ones that live out in the open. Right, because this fear, this fear that lives in the heart of all these people out in the realms, this fear that lives in our hearts, it will push us away. And as we will be addressing later on in the year, it has led to quite a few simply massacres of the dusking. Vampires like myself, liking, like our friend over here, ghosts even. Mass exorcisms, which sound like an all right thing. As long as they're done all right, you're going to learn more about that in a different class, but it's trouble if you do it wrong. He looks back up at Pinelli for a moment uh, before continuing to address the class. He tips back once more and slops his uh, absolutely busted out boots back up onto the desk. These are the reasons why Duskin live, for the most part, in secret. It's the ones that live in the open that we're going to be covering first. The Duskin that live in secret, they might not have a, a lot of unifying culture. All right, and culture is something that we're going to be talking about in here. Yeah, even you. Uh, and he <laughs> looks up at... Uh, um, a gnome boy who is sort of like he's sort of like leaning back. He's got kind of a bandana tied around his head. He's doing a real tough guy thing. Um, but Orif says uh, as he continues to pick his teeth with his, you can fully see his dirty toes sticking out of the tip of his boot. Yeah, culture, it's important, believe it or not, because it can turn us, even us. Who should by right be allies, united under the uh, the universal revulsion to our people. We should be unified, but there are some things in culture that keep us apart. These Duskin that live openly, the vampire houses, the unified packs of the Lycan. There's a lot that keeps us apart. Gonna learn more about that later. Suffice it to say right now that uh, at the moment, you are here during a tough time. We are, this castle, right on the border between the north and the south. This area to the east of the towers, this shallow strip here, to the north, like in packs, to the south, vampire houses, and... Uh, we're right on that line, as is Dawn Greet, as is the entire eastern road away from the towers. We're going to be learning more about this in the coming weeks. I want all of you to go ahead and read up on A History of the Dusk. All right, you should have uh, been able to find it in a library. If not, come and see me. 
And with that, he pulls off one of his boots, slams it on the table like a gavel, and says, All right, this beast! And uh, shoves it back onto his foot. Igor has been listening pretty quietly this whole time. Um, and, uh, yeah, Sander says uh, Penelope did leave through uh, about three-quarters of the way through the magic lesson after we tried to help. Uh, her spell was very powerful. Um, and, uh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, King Num says, I'm just going to read the room and listen since I'm new here. Hey, King Num, I appreciate that. You're doing well. Uh, King Num also wonders, is the teacher a vampire or a werewolf? Uh, and uh, as you can see, even though it might not seem like it at all times, I read that and I sort of looped in him mentioning that he's a vampire. So I am paying attention to chat, I promise. Um, right now, Illyria is nowhere to be seen. You are off, you know, deeper in the castle right now, Igor. Uh, and, uh, you know, you you are not aware of what Illyria is up to right now. Um, and so the question is, you are here in this class, in this little amphitheater. Um, class has just been dismissed, and Orif Barsarand, uh, your, your beak, Professor Orif, um, he continues to just sort of recline at his desk, uh, sitting back in his broken chair at his broken desk, um, wiggling his filthy toes in his busted-out boot. Um, he puts his hand behind his sweaty head and uh, just looks around at the class, surveys some of these students, some of whom are new, um, <laughs> King Num says, can I befriend the gnome or can't they see us? Um, uh, ghosts are, by default, they are visible. Um, not super, super visible. They'll be much harder to pick out on like a horizon than, uh, uh, you know, a mortal traveler. But um, without sort of exerting yourself, you are still a spirit sort of caught here. And that spirit does have a, um, a, a visible form. Um, now you can become darn near invisible uh as part of your sort of as part of your special abilities but um yeah by default you do have a physical form all right just gotta make some adjustments here here we go um uh and sander says and that magic lesson was really recent uh and yes sander's absolutely correct that was a very recent magic lesson um uh, but let's see what, uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, you want to ask the teacher if vamps use runes. So first of all, let's make this heart roll to see if you can make a, a little bit of an impression on this gnome. Igor leans over to the gnome, uh, who starts to get up, uh, collects a, a pretty nice leather bag here, uh, and, uh, stands and begins to leave. Igor says, so, um... What group of the Duskin do you hail from? The gnome just like squints at you and sneers a little bit, shakes his head and walks away. Uh, and then you see uh, there's a, <laughs> there's like a huge um, uh, half giant who goes ahead and just like dabs him up real quick. Okay so much for that you look up at the rear corner of the room and Penelope catches your eye for just a moment before turning on a heel and leaving meanwhile um, Igor's thoughts change for a moment and uh, 
you remember this concern that you had. It's been a whirlwind few weeks, uh, almost a month now at this point, and you look at Orif Barsarand and think, well, maybe, maybe he can tell me who would use runes like the ones that were on the weapon that was used to kill me. You go down to approach uh, his little broken wooden throne here, and uh, he grins at you, baring his fangs, uh, which seem to be in sort of a... Uh, I mean, as a vampire, uh, it is harder to hide those elements, but uh, his seem particularly uh, long and sharp. Um, his are particularly obvious, I should say. He grins at you, tips his top hat, and says, Eagle. Eagle. I knew I was going to have a fun time having you in class. Hope you're learning. Igor says, um, Nice boots. I appreciate your creativity using it as a gavel when dismissing the class. Uh, thank you. It, uh, it's more effective than telling them to leave because I am just so terribly engaging. <coughs> he, uh, he coughs. What brings you down to the throne? I... Um, his filthy toes wiggle through the, the just busted open toe of his boot <laughs> next to you. What can I do for you? Uh, sir, what can you tell me about runes? About runes? Just sort of general rune information. I mean, we've got we've got a course of study for something like that. But you're trying to get into imbued magic, eh? <laughs> yeah, no. You're trying to enchant things. Okay, thinks Igor. It's about enchantments. Well. <laughs> I suppose general history. I, I'm no expert myself. I'm a I'm an historian, so I know a bit about it because it's frankly a bit outdated at this point. Uh, he takes the bone that he pulled out of his hat to pick his teeth and just flicks it over into a corner. Uh, where there is a small pile of bones. It would seem some of them suspiciously humanoid. They're outdated. Runes. Uh, frankly, if you ask me, they're a bit more elegant, but they're a way to put magical power into something. All right, so nowadays we've got this thing called artifice. Artifice is the process of actually sort of taking your materials and uh, loading them up with magical energy. I don't know. I don't know. I do know down there anybody can control them. And uh, although it takes some very dangerous work to get artifice built, it's really easy for the average person to control after that. Runes are something different. Runes are the old school way of doing things. Nowadays, if I need a, uh, an umbrella to uh, hover over my head, keep my head dry, I'm just going to, you know, have some sort of artifice, uh, you know, make me some sort of hat that'll make the... F Thing float up in the air. I don't know. I I don't care for artifice much myself. But in the old days, if I needed something like that, uh, it would be too expensive because it is a bloody difficult process. But but if I had the money, I would go to a room carver 
that room cover. It's a special uh, pursuit, a special course of study within magic. All right, because it's spellcasting, right? And spellcasting, you're there to sort of guide the thing, right? It's a bit like juggling. Yeah, if the magic energy sort of come down at a bad angle, you can make an adjustment. That's what spellcasting is like. Runes, they're, they're damned complicated. You've got to be real precise. And you can't just steep some piece of something in your magical energy like you do with artifice. With runes, you have to put your own power into it. Now, I'm a little curious what uh, what might bring this course of study to your attention. But what's got you so curious? Hmm. I'm more interested in runes that can be applied to a weapon. To a weapon. Yeah. Well, it can be done. But it's got to be powerful, destructive magic. Unless, I mean, you're making a weapon to heal somebody, which I don't imagine. Why? You trying to enchant some sort of weapon? Oh, yeah, you just started your magical training, which I will say that uh, that little stunt of yours with the lightning, it's clever. It is clever. And uh, I've heard you did well for your first class, but you keep in mind... You can't control that. <laughs> Your teacher, uh, the Beak Brunner, she's no joke. She's as good at boosting energy as she is at tamping it down. And uh, she's the only reason you were able to cast that with any sort of control. You don't want to get started in on runes yet. Although, mm, he thinks to himself, lightning sword. That would be something, wouldn't it? Can you tell me anything about rune carvers if you know anyone? Room carvers. He sort of squints at you, and uh, I'm gonna let's see if we're gonna make a heart roll here, um, or you know what? I will let you use shadow. There's definitely some deception going down here. Three and a four. You rolled a five. You didn't even need the darn thing. Um, uh, he sort of squints at you for a moment, but then seems to decide this is a uh, this is simply uh, a curious young student. So, it's up to you whether or not you want to share the greater implications of this discussion for Igor specifically. Rune carvers? I, I mean, no, <laughs> not anymore. No, it's, uh, it's old school. Nowadays, uh, artifice is so much cheaper and, more importantly, doesn't rely on the power of the caster. It can rely on storm power, or uh, power of summer, or even the power of a big stadium. You know, all that, it, it pulls off magical power, but, but runes, runes require somebody who is powerfully magical. And generally, uh, more, of a, more of a wizard in styling. Now, somebody who studies, uh, it's very arcane magic, really, rarely would you see someone practiced enough in, uh, say, divine magic to try and do it. It's not exclusively arcane magic, and it's, it's uh, I suppose I've seen it once or twice in bardic magic, but as a, as a goof, as a prank. 
he stands up and uh, goes to the board uh, behind him. Uh, there's a a big, I mean, it's got to be a chalkboard, right? He starts to uh, uh, write a list on the chalkboard. Um, uh, let me let me give you a few books and scrolls you can take a look through. Because I actually, I have some magical talent. He grins back at you over his shoulder and then turns back and continues to write on the board. But, uh, what you're really going to want to see is uh, probably your beak for magic. Branner, Professor Branner. Go see her, the one with a cape and what all, and uh, she might have some more information for you. But I do know these books, you can check them out. Good luck to you, kid. Um, Morbid Angel says, anybody knows if Igor remembers any particular rune used for his killing? Um, let's take a look. Let's, uh, I'll make a wits roll for it and we'll see what happens. Igor is trying to remember. Igor tries to remember which runes he saw. Was there anything with uh, any real detail that he might be able to use um, to identify what was on this chain that killed him? Igor, you walk up to the board and uh, grab a piece of chalk next to Orif, who says, oh, hello. And you begin to sketch out, you remember one or two of these runes, um, barely. It was a long time ago and you were basically unconscious at the time. Um, you go ahead and draw it up on the board here. And Orif sort of squints a little bit and says, okay, all right, all right now. He looks at you. Looks back at the board. Eagle, this is a, uh, this is advanced stuff. That's an actual rune. Uh, I didn't know we were still teaching that. You learned that in class somewhere. It must be Brunner because Brunner. I mean, I mean, maybe not even Brunner. This might be something for uh, one of the beaks over in the advanced studies wing. I know Brunner's a good place to start, but. Uh, he picks up a uh, piece of parchment and a quill uh, and starts to sketch these uh, runes onto this page here. Um, and then sort of like still looking at the board uh, with his head sort of cocked off to the side. Um, his top hat starts to slide off his head. He pushes it slowly back into place. Um, he, without looking, just hands you this scroll that he just copied your, your uh, information down onto. Uh, these runes that you've drawn and says, yeah, you take this to Professor Branner. She's gonna, she's gonna know something more about that. Uh, I'm sorry I couldn't be more help. This is, uh, it's advanced stuff. I, I, I never learned to identify them. Never needed to, because they were already a dying art by the time I uh, changed up, shall we say. He bares his teeth once more. Igor turns to go. And uh, Orif still just sort of like stares with a professional curiosity at these runes on the board. Thank you, sir. This was very helpful. Well, I hope so. Not, not a question I anticipated answering today. <laughs> That's the funny thing about history. There's always something new. I actually have another question, unrelated to this. 
Unrelated the runes. All right. Yeah, tell me about uh, what you got. <laughs> Summoning circles. What's next on your menu? No, sir. Um, there's a student, Penelli. I was hoping that you could tell. Oh, oh. Penelli. You know, it's easy for Penelli in the back of the room to look at the back of your head which she used to, but I noticed there's not so much of that today. It's a lot harder for you in the front rows to look back at Penelli without being pretty obvious, Igor. I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> I'll see you staring back there. Yeah, boy, oh boy. Um, he kind of like leans back and uh, grabs another bone out of his hat to pick his teeth with. <laughs> There you go. With a weak hit, Penelli's life is her own. That's a private business. I can't go around sharing that. She's going to have to make some history before I go talking about it. But I can give you some general advice. He leans in uh, conspiratorially to you. He's sort of uh, with his tall Babadook-like body, um, with his like wide shoulders and his weirdly tapering body. Um, he sort of like leans forward and almost hunches over you. Um, <clears throat> I can tell you this. You and I have got a bit in common, actually. Pay attention to what she likes. Yeah. Where does she spend her time? It's those sort of things that uh, might connect you better. What does she like to do? Just uh, keep an eye out, I'd say. You can always try what I tried, he says, as he uh, stands back up over you and goes back down to sit at his desk. Uh, he starts to pull out some scrolls from his uh, desk and uh, puts them up on the desk itself gets out some ink and a quill. Uh, it looks like he's got some paperwork to do. Steal or something from the lost and found. <laughs> and uh, he just sort of like tips his hat to you once again. Um, and Igor heads on out of the class. You climb the steps uh, out of this little amphitheater style room in the castle. And you find yourself in the middle of a real hubbub. Uh, throughout the corridors here in the castle, um, there are students rushing back and forth. Uh, indeed, uh, some of the beaks themselves are starting to rush around. And you see on the down far in the end of the hallway, um, uh, Madame Franceliska, the headmistress, she suddenly passes across one of the hallways uh, and seems to be accompanied by her sister, Rainya, the envoy from House Dahlia, and uh, Rainya's bodyguard, Dunley. As they go, uh, you see that they are joined by some of the other professors. Um, uh, Professor Brana is there as well. Um, and uh, she wears her cape and her sort of half cape uh, and rushes off after the headmistress. Um, here, closer to where you are, um, there are students running up and down. Um, there is a uh, this student that you bunk with that you've seen a number of times. Uh, he wears a gold armband, uh, and his sort of uh, dark olive skin is in sharp contrast to his 
bright, literally golden eyes. Um, and uh, as he sort of rushes past you and sort of bumps into you, through you, Igor, um, he says, there's something going on out in the forest. I'm going to find a window. Uh, and uh, he rushes off down the hall. Um, Igor, what is it you would like to do here? There is uh, uh, lots of yelling. Um, some of the students don't seem to be fully sort of uh, aware of going what's going on. Um, you look up and around through the, the, the various rotted out timbers of the castle, and you can see through the floor uh, up to the next floor uh, in certain places, and you see that it's the same upstairs. Uh, you look out into the courtyard, and amidst the ruins, this burned-out carcass of a castle, uh, you can see that the whole castle seems to be caught up in something here. Igor, upon seeing Professor Brana, um, hurries off after the beaks. Um, Igor, let's see if you can catch up here, uh, or what else you get caught up into. Um, ooh, it gets a 5 and a 10, you rolled a 2. Uh, Igor, you rush after Professor Brana, and um, as you do, Terua the ghost um, is herding a whole herd of students away from where the professors are currently heading. Um, she says, All right, everyone, I want you all to stay very calm. All right, please follow me, follow me. And in spite of the fact that she's saying, follow me, she is in fact sort of pushing this group of students down the hallway. And Igor, you get caught up in this group of students. Uh, what would you like to do next? Terua continues to sort of push the group down the hall um, uh, and uh, says, It does seem that there is some sort of excitement out in the castle grounds, um, but certainly not something with which you need to concern yourselves. It's all happening across the river, nothing to be concerned about, but we're all going to keep you inside so that you can stay safe, all right? Igor, you rush down the hallways. As you continue with this group, uh, Terua sort of herding you back toward the bunk rooms. You look for opportunities to break off quickly. This is definitely something for which you can use your haunt, but you don't need to. Against a one and a five, you rolled a six, just flat, which brings you up to a nine after your... <laughs> a nine, uh, and then a ten, I believe, with your infiltrator skill. Um, so a 10 against a 1 and a 5, uh, you absolutely just, I think you just, <laughs> here we go. Teruwa continues to lead you off in this direction, um, uh, toward the bunks, and you let yourself be overtaken. Um, you feel the, the weird, uncomfortable warmth of having other students sort of pass into your spiritual form, your ghastly form. And then once they have overtaken you and your sort of head is lost amongst these other heads, um, they're literally sort of like jostling around partially inside of you. You just drop through the floor. Upon dropping through the floor, uh, you find yourself in some of these lower corridors. Um, up to your left, you can see that there is um, a larger courtyard, uh, or you can follow it out and uh, head in the roughly the direction of the parade grounds, because you know that's roughly the direction from which uh, Illyria would be coming. Um, or at least you know that's the direction that uh, Illyria headed. You are seized with indecision. Uh, you don't know where Illyria is. Illyria may well be somewhere in the castle, um, but... You've got a suspicion that if Illyria was in the castle, they would have caught up with you. Now, of course, there is that wriggling thing in the back of your mind, which says, well, they do have this new friend, Chu, though. You and Chu have never gotten along well. 
perhaps you dispel that for now. But you continue out and decide for the courtyards because you're going to be able to make a mad sprint across them. You've got a full success uh, and you hustle across these courtyards. You... Your feet aren't really even underneath you anymore. You are a mist below the waist uh, and uh, as you hover and soar through these courtyards. There are beaks and students running hither and thither, back and forth, um, trying to muster for whatever seems to be happening. Um, you get the sense that there is not a lot of organization to this right now. Um, you pass the, you, you cross paths with Madame Francisco once again and see that she is occasionally muttering orders to uh, the beaks that accompany her. Uh, Brizzly has now caught up with her, and uh, when he when she mutters over, you uh, you hear Brizzly sort of shout out these orders to the larger students, and uh, the larger body of students, and um, it seems like overall, it's just sort of a, just sort of a, <laughs> a procedure to get everyone to their rooms, um, just so that everyone knows where everyone is, so that the, the the staff can keep an eye on all the students, know where everyone's at. Um, but they're certainly heading off toward the western end of the castle. Um, they pass through Tower Bailey, which is tough for you. Let's see how you do at this one. Uh, Tower Bailey is between the castle proper, it's between the west wing of the castle and the advanced studies wing, uh, which include the Barbican and uh, Tower Scullaport, etc. Against a seven and a one, you roll a five, which once again is a full success. Um, you are able to whisk up uh, through the murder hole in the top of Castle Bay of uh, uh, of Tower Bailey uh, and uh, up into one of the corridors above the little group of beaks that has now sort of conglomerated and is charging down the hallway here um, at a fast march. Um, as you follow, you listen and uh, you hear uh, very suddenly uh, as these shattered shadows that you have come to understand is uh, a vampire in shadow form traveling very quickly. Um, you can see how it could be mistaken for a swarm of bats, but uh, as these shadows shatter across the wall, they suddenly reform uh, into Orif Barsarant. Um, and uh, Orif takes his place kind of at uh, Madame Francisco's right hand and says, I came as soon as I heard. I had some trouble, yeah? Uh, through the rotten timbers of the floor and the pieces of broken out masonry um, as you follow in this corridor above the corridor where the beaks are traveling um, you hear Madame Francisco's quiet voice say yes there is a there is a group of refugees just beyond the castle grounds below the lower Argent out in the forest to the north, um, near the waterfalls. We don't know what they want, but one of the students, Illyria, has come from the falls to warn us. Some of them are injured. They appear to have been attacked. Attacked? We know by what yet? Mm, we do not know by whom. I'm gonna call this a 50-50 as to whether or not Madame Francisca is going to mention 
the runes on the weapons here. 51 or higher, she does. A 24. We do not yet know who attacked them, uh, but we know that there are some from the local forestry operations. They're clearly pack of the eternal hunger. And some larger group of refugees fleeing I do not know what. They appear to be very hungry, like they have been perhaps traveling for some time. They're not local though, they're not from Dongri, they're from further north. Further north? Uh, it's quite a bit into Larkin territory. Yes. We cannot know more until we speak to them. And uh, they continue to rush off down the hallway. Um, Igor, you come to the Barbican, uh, and the Barbican has a large, uh, sort of wide balcony uh, around the outside of it, so that as the beaks pass through the Barbican, you sort of circumvent the, the outer rim of this upper balcony, and uh, you pass over to the far wall. This is the last check you need to make to get out of the castle here, um, as uh, the as the professors open the doors uh, and start to head out onto the parade grounds and continue across the parade grounds toward the forest. Um, now, Igor, I'm gonna make two checks here. First is to see, can you get eyes on Illyria? Uh, that's gonna be, yeah, that's gonna be an edge roll, I think, uh, but you can still use your haunt for it. Uh, and then the next one is going to be a shadow roll uh, to see if you are still maintaining your stealth. Because as you are here in the Barbican, um, you feel the auras of powerful magic around you. First, to see Illyria, a strong hit. You see Illyria. Illyria is currently um, being helped by a, a professor that you don't recognize. Um, uh, and. They sit uh, still sort of like heaving breath, uh, and you can tell that uh, they've been doing quite a bit of running. You don't see Chu anywhere, nor do you see any of the rest of that Lycan gang that uh, that uh, Illyria left with. It's just Illyria. Um, you know out in the forest as uh, the headmistress and her group of beaks head down there, um, you know that whatever awaits them is going to be very strange indeed. Um, and uh, yeah, you head down to Illyria. Um, you are now at one haunt. You've only got one haunt left to spend. How do we do here? Uh, against a one and a two, you are all the one. You make your way toward Illyria, um, uh, descending a staircase that brings you down into the main room of the Barbican here. The Barbican is a, a room that seems to have a, quite a bit of greenery grown up inside it, and yet um, it reminds you a little bit of the arena outside. Um, there are stone pillars inside here uh, that uh, also overgrown with this. You, you could almost mistake this as like a greenhouse if it weren't for the fact that it felt so powerfully magical. Um, you don't know much about it, but what you do know is that uh, as you approach Illyria, um, this beak from the Advanced Studies Wing turns around and leaves at the perfect time, and you manifest right next to them. Oh, gods! Igor, don't do that. Uh, is everything all right here in the castle? Things are... 
bad in the forest. How do you mean bad? Well, I was with Chu. Don't look at me like that. Chu's all right. She is. She's all right. She's teaching me quite a bit. I think it's important for me to learn from a werewolf about being a werewolf. We'll talk about it later. There were some people attacked. Uh, um, uh, they seem to be like, and I think they're from the same pack as Chu, which I guess means they're from our pack. Illyria looks thoughtful for a moment. Uh, but anyway, they had been shot, and Igor, they had been shot, they'd been cut, but they'd been hit with bolts, crossbow bolts with runes in them. That's Luca Bruska, right? As far as we know, we don't know anyone else who uses runes like that. They were glowing orange. It was the exact same as we saw back in Dongreed when they attacked. It was them, Igor. I know that it was. As the two of us stand here and chat, um, don't forget, folks, uh, go ahead and use the play command if you want to know what the system is. But generally, go ahead and use the ampersand symbol before your message to let me know that you would like Igor to do something. Um, if you want Igor to do something, start your message with the ampersand. If you want Igor to say something, put it in quotes, and Igor will say it. This is a chat play campaign, and chat is, as much as I can make it possible, in charge of the character of Igor. Um, Illyria slumps against the wall here and um, the the uh, <laughs> um, the professor that uh, was helping uh, Illyria just a moment ago uh, comes back uh, Igor you sort of duck around a corner and hide really quickly um, this professor is a uh, wearing a long, uh, very buttoned up sort of cloak. Um, the, these robes, they've got like buttons on them, sort of a double-breasted kind of scenario. Um, sharp shoulders, um, big, long, wide, contrasted cuffs, and uh, has long hair in kind of a uh, colonial ponytail, I guess we would call it. Um, uh, <laughs> um he is a uh, he's an elf, and uh, he stands very tall over Illyria. Um, he says, "I'm sorry. Who were you talking to just now?" No one. Um, I was just trying to make sense of everything that's happening. Yes, indeed. Quite a lot is happening. I heard you say something about runes. You said that there are. Runes on the weapons used to attack those down at the far end of the castle grounds, yes? Yes, uh, yes, there are. Uh, they're glowing orange runes. And you've seen them before, have you? Yes, I have. Um, the... We were attacked in Dongreed. Oh. I'm very sorry to hear that. But these runes, you saw them once more. Did you tell anyone about them? Um, no, I... I didn't think it was important. 
That's good. I th think it would be best if you didn't say anything about this to anyone. Anyone at all. And this elf pulls out a long knife. And this knife is covered in runes. Illyria's eyes go wide as this elf suddenly stabs forward. Igor, you are currently hidden behind one of these pillars covered in uh, foliage as this elf lunges toward Illyria. I have got a strong hit. I'm gonna take plus two momentum here. Uh, Illyria is able to duck off just to the side, just in time, and uh, this knife pierces through this sort of like loose tunic that uh, Illyria wears. Uh, this elf catches it and it stabs into the wall and Illyria is caught but not injured. Um, meanwhile, at this exact same moment, we hear a shout, an incantation, uh, and we hear uh, a, a sudden flap of fabric as uh, from off of the balcony up above, um, wearing her signature half cape, comes the beak Brana. Igor, this is your professor. Professor Brana leaps off of the balcony, uh, does a sort of swirl in midair with his half cape, and it uh, it causes her to come down lightly on her feet. Um, uh, she has got a dark brown skin and a grimace on her face uh, as she advances toward this assassin who appears to be here in the castle. Um, uh, as she rushes forward, she says, Professor Ertrick, got you at last, uh, and swishes her cape uh, up in front of her. Uh, it creates this shield that passes in front of not only her, but also in front of Illyria, uh, and she is going to enter the fray as well. Uh, meanwhile, Igor, I'm gonna roll for you to enter the fray because it seems like a good time to do so. Illyria is still caught by this blade, but the blade is now um, separated from this elf's hands. Uh, this elf that Professor Brana has just referred to as Professor Ertrick. Um, uh, Professor Ertrick, uh, with his ponytail and his long buttoned up coat, uh, he leaps back and uh, starts to circle around, uh, starting to sort of swirl his hands together in what you understand is probably the somatic component of some spell. Igor, you've got this barrier up in front of you. No one except Illyria knows you're here yet. Uh, and you move around uh, as Professor Ertrick is distracted by everything going on with this shield and uh, with this murderous look in his eye. Um, you lunge forward out of uh, one of these bundles of foliage and you catch him across the face. You just sort of rake your ghastly hands across him and you leave no mark and yet he pulls back and screams with his uh, hand on his chin like ah, just sort of stretching it trying to regain uh, feeling there because he appears to have just gone like numb and his jaw is slack in front of him. Illyria rips this dagger out of the wall, uh, turns it around uh, and then pushes it forward through this uh, sort of uh, shield of magical aura and uh, it seems to accept the dagger pretty well, which is good because it has lulled Professor Ertrick into getting a little bit too close and as Illyria stabs out, they manage to catch 
Professor Ertrick um, uh, in the hand as Professor Ertrick is trying to reach forward and um, continues to sort of move his hands in strange ways, um, clearly performing some part of a spell as he mumbles the incantation under his breath. Um, uh, Professor Brana, she is going to uh, swish her half cape once more, and from inside uh, her cloak, she draws uh, a dirk, a long dagger. It is not marked by runes of any kind. Um, it is a it seems to be a plain dagger, except it's got some very silvery filigree inside it. Um, uh, kind of a, it's one of those fancy looking ones with the designs on it, but it's got a silver inlay into it, which you have begun to learn being here at school might be bad news for your new enemy. Been hunting you for quite some time, and now you've finally showed your hand. This is the last day that you will teach at the castle, and this will be your last day alive. Um, she lunges forward at uh, at Professor Ertrick, and uh, he goes, Yes. Oh, spy with spile with was interesting. I knew House Dahlia had someone embedded here. Never thought it would be you. Thought it would be one of the talented ones. And uh, he lunges forward with uh, hands that suddenly grow these icy claws. Um, uh, and he catches her as well. Igor, you have launched forward and made your attack, but it has left you slightly vulnerable. Uh, as Illyria lunges forward, you were unknown to Professor Brana when she came into the room, and as such, as y'all fight through this greenhouse full of stone pillars, this massive room the size of a, a gymnasium, essentially, um, uh, Professor Brana did not know to put the shield around you, and so you are left vulnerable as Professor Ertrick, with fire in his eyes, lurches forward with these icy claws on his hands now. Um, he catches you in the side, and you suddenly find it hard to breathe. You manage to swipe back as well, and you catch him in the jaw a little bit. Um, he, he sort of, like, continues to... Uh, feel at his loose jaw with his icy clawed fingers, uh, but he advances nonetheless, and you also are going to take some harm here. Uh, you are now at two out of five health, Igor. I tell you what, I'm gonna call this very unlikely. I'm gonna call it almost, uh, I'm gonna call this a small chance. On a 91 or higher, Illyria is going to be able to call upon some of, uh, some of their Lichen abilities to help out with this. Will it work? I don't know. Holy crap! Right? Yeah, I did it! Ooh, yeah, baby! Okay, fantastic. Um, I just did a, a, a flat-out odds roll with the least likely odds that I could. A 1 in 10 chance. Uh, and... It appears I have done so. Everybody. With exactly a 91. Illyria looks furious. Watching this professor who they've never seen before uh, go after her best friend in the world, uh, Illyria suddenly goes from shouting to <laughs> and fangs emerge slightly. Um, claws come out of their fingernails just a little bit. It's not a lot, but this is as much control as Illyria has right now, especially at the very tail end of this, their transformation cycle uh, with the moons. But 
they're able to do the thing, and uh, Illyria flings the dagger to one side, meaning that Igor might well pick it up if that's still something that you want to do, uh, and lunges forward uh, with these claws, just lunging straight through this shield put up by Professor Brana. Uh, Professor Brana says, no, no, don't! But Illyria catches with both hands uh, underneath the ribs as uh, Professor Ertrick focuses uh, on Igor from behind one hand underneath each side of the rib cage, just clawing in and then with a bite on the back of his neck, um, uh, sort of on the side of his neck. Igor, for you, it's like a horror movie. You watch this guy come after you and then all of a sudden these claws flash underneath his arms and catch him in the sides. He goes, <clears throat> and Illyria's head pops up suddenly with new fangs and buries itself in his shoulder near his collarbone. Uh, Illyria just sort of gnaws there. Um, and uh, gets a strong hit. I'm going to inflict additional harm here as we try to stomp this individual back. Professor Ertrick. Um, oh, that's not it. Sorry, hold on. Professor Ertrick, uh, looking genuinely hurt now, you sort of stumble backward and uh, Professor Ertrick if you think I'm going to walk out of here with your filthy blood running through me, there's not a chance. And uh, he reaches back and tries to rip Illyria off his back, but Illyria dodges backward, keeps her, their claws uh, lodged inside his ribcage, removes their head, and just dodges back and forth. Uh, meanwhile, Brana is going to... Uh, uh, attack from behind. Professor Brana is able to get in a hit on Professor Ertrick, but uh, Ertrick, meanwhile, swings around behind, trying to catch Illyria, but manages to catch uh, Professor Brana as she lunges forward, trying to help Illyria, uh, but just ending up in the line of fire here. Igor, you reach forward and you stab with this. It does not seem to do anything especially unique to this person, this elf, uh, Professor Ertrick. Um, and meanwhile, Professor Ertrick is able to reach forward, and although he is hauling Illyria around on his back, uh, he does manage to hook you with his ice claws. Uh, he's got one of his ice clawed hands around your wrist where you wield this knife. So you deal damage and, uh, at the same time, have damage dealt against you. And you do not have initiative. Um, this is not what you do. You are not like a, a, a knockdown, drag out fighter like Illyria is. Illyria is once more going to try and just drag their claws backward, um, uh, just across these ribs, hoping to just cause this professor enough pain that Professor Erdrich will stop what he's doing. Illyria curls their feet up underneath them, rolling into an almost cannonball position on Professor Ertrick's back, while still maintaining this claw uh, on the underside of, of his ribs, uses those to pull backward and just dig these claws along Professor Ertrick's sides. Professor Ertrick screams up at the ceiling. And the two of us fall backward on the ground. Professor Brana rushes forward, um, uh, waving this cape over top of him uh, in case he tries to attack once again. Uh, Igor, you 
jump up with this knife poised to attack once more. You look down, and there's Illyria, just gnawing on his collarbone for a moment before they remember themselves and try to push him off of themselves, but he's heavy. Uh, it takes the three of you to fully push Professor Ertrick off of Illyria and he falls unmoving. Did I? Wait, wait. Did I? Illyria? Illyria? Listen to me. You have done well. You are presented with an impossible choice. And I want to show you something. Um, Professor Brana walks to Igor and takes the knife, um, holds it up and says, There are very few that have the capacity to build something like this. These runes, this is a, a very old practice. It seems to have come back within certain circles, and one of these circles is the Luca Brusca. I have known for quite some time that there is a spy here in the castle. A spy of Luca Brusca's. He was masquerading as a vampire, but clearly that is not the case. We are the easiest to mimic. And she uh, grins sort of sardonically, and uh, you can see her very sharp teeth um, uh, with her, her vampire fangs out in front. Uh, she reaches forward and uh, runs her fingers over the sharp vampire teeth of Professor Ertrick. Uh, and uh, while she, her other hand is sort of hidden inside her half cape, uh, you can see she's gesturing with it. Uh, and these teeth shrivel, it seems, uh, into pretty ordinary elf canine teeth. Professor Ertrick was able to infiltrate this school as a professor in the advanced studies wing. He is a professor of imbued magic, of enchantments. I have never seen something like this before, not in his office, nowhere. I had no, no knowledge that he possessed weapons similar to those that you encountered in the forest. Illyria is still on the ground. The wolf fangs, the wolf claws are slowly receding back into them, uh, uh, returning their form back to normal. Uh, the hair that was all stood up on the back of their neck uh, and starting to sort of grow in greater, uh, greater thickness on the back of their arms and everything uh, starts to recede once more back to normal. Igor wants to look at the body here, and um, Igor, Professor Brana stops you. Listen to me, Igor. You think for a moment, Igor, about what Professor Ertrick said about a House Dahlia spy inside the school. Spy versus spy. You look into Professor Brana's eyes, and you know that 
Professor Brana is not simply a teacher here. Professor Brana has an additional loyalty outside of the school to House Dahlia. She catches your wrist as you go to poke through the pockets of this individual, as you are wont to do. You know, this is definitely part of uh, Igor's background is just, you know, pick pockets. If there are loose pockets, you pick them. I would like to make a wager with you. A deal. Igor? Nobody can know about these affiliations. His must remain hidden until I've got a chance to speak with those higher up than me in House Dahlia. My affiliations to House Dahlia must remain secret as well. In exchange for whatever you may find on Professor Ertrich's person, I am going to have to confiscate anything that would belie his allegiance to Luca Brusca. I need to take it as evidence. However, anything else I will allow you to keep as long as my secret is kept as well. I will trust you with these two things. I am not a House Dahlia spy. I am simply your professor in introductory magic. That is all I will be. All right? Can you remember this? Can you honor this? Illyria is sort of looking back and forth, uh, hearing about a House Dahlia spy. Igor, you and Illyria talked about the vampire houses very briefly, but you're the only one of the two of us who's been receiving a formal education in the history of Duskin. Illyria doesn't know what any of this means, but you do. You know that House Dahlia is generally not a violent faction, um, but one that is very well connected. Uh, and overall, one of the ones that is sort of uh, better in general. Um, in fact, House Dahlia was the one who sort of is backing this school overall. Perhaps you see the wisdom in them planting a spy here of there so that they can sort of keep up with what is going on in the school. Igor, how do you respond to this? She's offering you a deal. She's going to have to confiscate anything directly linking him to Luca Brusca that will include this runic dagger. Um, however... She will let you keep anything else as long as you keep her secret. And you don't you don't say that she's a House Dahlia spy to anybody. Igor looks Professor Brana straight in the eye and says, Right. I agree. However, we need to know more about the runes. About the runes? What interest do you have in the runes? She looks at you kind of suspiciously here, um, and uh, Igor says, I can make this deal with you. I need to know about the runes. Illyria pipes up. Igor has had some experience at the receiving end of those runes, as have I. We were attacked in Dongreet. Do you have, uh, have you got any way that I could 
defend myself? Do ghosts wear armor? Anything like that? She smiles uh, and says, Ghosts have got a particularly hard time with armor. Unless it was something that you wore often in life, it is not something that will manifest here in your ghastly form. And to actually wear it, it will be terribly difficult. Uh, she puts a hand on your shoulder and uh, uh, she does this brief little flick of her wrist uh, as she does so. And uh, when her hand falls on your shoulder, it doesn't feel that uncomfortably warm feeling of of sort of like sharing bodily space with someone else. It's a genuinely sort of warm feeling. And she says, but there are things that you can do. You continue studies with Professor Eliza and Trua and as a ghost, you will have a much greater capacity to defend yourself. These, however, are something different. And she holds the dagger uh, in front of her. This room has gone very quiet. Um, the Barbican here uh, is a large room. It's about the size of like an indoor single uh, single court gymnasium. Um, and uh, there is a long balcony running around the outer edge. Uh, there are indeed like a few sort of there's like a stone ledge around the outside so that if people wanted to sit here and sort of watch whatever was going on, uh, they could do so. Uh, but for the most part, it's got this sort of like obstacle course style layout almost. Um, at least it does for the moment, except that Professor Brana uh, swishes her cape once again and some of these stone pillars rise and fall such that you are now in this sort of room consisting of these pillars. Uh, she raises these pillars surrounding the three of us so that we have a chance to talk in complete privacy. Um, she waves her hand up above and uh, a network of vines grows uh, in the this space, making a little ceiling such that, yes, you're in this much larger room, but overall the, the actual space that you actually inhabit um, is much smaller. Um, and uh, you know about you could you could maybe park a, a a small wagon in there, but that's about it. Uh, it's pretty close and it's very quiet and dark. Professor Brana holds up this dagger as the runes glow with that orange, live ember look, like hot coals. You can be taught, of course, to to ignore certain blows of mortal weaponry. But it will be very difficult to harm you in your ghastly form, unless your attacker were equipped with something like this. These runes are runes of great destructive power, but only to one specific type of individual. She passes her cape over this dagger and from within it glows brighter and brighter until the light becomes not so much yellow but white and this white light fills this space until it looks like it's fully sunlight out here. Illyria winces a little bit but Professor Brana and you Igor it causes you genuine physical pain. <sighs> Professor Brana allows the light to reduce once again and says, The power of the dawn imbued into a dagger. 
These are runes of sunlight. This knife is designed by some very powerful wizard, specifically to kill Duskin. There were runes like this on the chain that killed me. And yet, at the time, you were not a ghost, certainly. You were not known to be a lycan or a vampire, yes? Right. Illyria has just sort of been listening quietly and says, No, I'm sure he wasn't. He wasn't a ghost, wasn't a vampire, wasn't a lycan. Why would they have used these Duskin killing weapons to kill someone who isn't Duskin? I do not know. But we are going to have to find out. She looks down at the floor. Um, uh, Abyss, Luca, Bruska, Spy, and Assassin. Um, she stoops over, um, holds onto the dagger, and um, pokes through his cloak. Um, his 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 buttoned-up coat here. Uh, she unbuttons the buttons, throws it open, checks the interior pockets. Um, uh, looking around, she even starts to rip open a little bit of the lining of the jacket to check for uh, hidden pockets and everything. Um, she holds up the knife and says, It's the only bit of evidence to connect Professor Ertrich to the Luca Brusca. Whatever else is on his person, it is fair game for you. As per our agreement, I shall take this, and I shall have to scour his office for anything else that might indicate his affiliations. Uh, what about the person who carved these rooms? Professor Brana leans back against the wall, um, and uh, it's hot in here. Uh, her brow is sweating uh, with all the exertion of the last ten minutes, and... She looks closely at the runes themselves. She squints as they appear to sort of burn her eyes um, and says, As a vampire, it is particularly difficult for me to examine these. I may need your help. As a ghost, it will be uncomfortable for you, but it will not be quite as painful. Uh, And she actually hands you the dagger and says, I'm going to need to get that back. The rune carver, although until I understand the actual forms that they used, I can tell you only this so far. This is someone who comes from an ancient tradition. The tradition of rune carving, it is something that has come about um, as with the intent to place one's magical energies or spells into objects. There was a time when Wands were handled this way, although wands are something different now. It has been rendered nearly obsolete by artifice, and so it is very rare. There are still some practitioners, though, and the ones that I know are either mad wizards deep in the frontier, or, much more often, they're from the towers. Great institutions of learning are housed there, and although the institutions themselves might house great learning, it is not always good learning. It is possible that someone with access to a university in the 
Towers was able to distribute these weapons, or at the very least to learn how to create them and pass on that information to others. Either that or powerful groups of wizards that don't share their information, don't share their learning, uh, perhaps not uh, an ac academy or college of any type, simply a cabal of wizards. But I can virtually guarantee you this dagger was created there. I say it with utmost confidence. Why would someone kill me with runes meant for a lichen when I wasn't a lichen? Illyria holds on to every word of this. Perhaps we can discuss this at great length later. All I can tell you for the moment is it is possible that there are those inside Luca Brusca that are not sufficiently well trained to understand what their weapons are meant for. I've studied them and they seem to be a very ragtag group. It is also possible that one of their weapons was picked up without their knowledge. Someone else may have done this. But I can tell you that this was not done with the intent of creating Duskin, although it may well have done so. I can tell you that this weapon that attacked you, it was not used for its intended purpose. You got caught in something. Whether or not they knew what part you would play in all this, I don't know. Are you saying I was an accident? She grins a little bit, and you can see her vampire fangs uh, poking out from underneath her lip. You would be surprised to know how many of us find ourselves the victims of accidents. Illyria, yourself, even me, lichen, vampire, ghost, not a one of us was chosen for what we became. We were in the wrong place at the wrong time. I'm sure that must be it. Igor says, Is there any way to keep this dagger now that you know my story? I'm afraid not. You and I have got a deal, Igor. I'm going to take anything identifying him as Luca Brusca until we have got time to coordinate with Hostalia, with my handlers. After that point, then the larger school may know. I will inform the headmistress and we'll be able to do something about it. But until then, all evidence must come with me. At this point, we are going to forge a bond with Professor Brana. Igor, Professor Brana looks you in the eye and takes the dagger and moves it underneath her half cape, uh, at which point it simply disappears. Um, her hand comes back totally empty uh, and looking you in the eye says, We've got a deal. We're going to keep that deal, Igor. Illyria hops up and uh, tries to sort of get between Igor and uh, Professor Brana. 
and says, Please, Igor is weak enough as it is. You saw what Professor Ertrick did to him. Professor Brana narrows her eyes uh, and, looking down at the two of us, says, I'm going to be watching the two of you very carefully. Your silence is imperative for the continuation of my efforts here and of House Dahlia's as a whole. I shall continue to teach you, Igor, but I, if, if I have an inkling that one of you has stepped out of line, things are going to go very poorly for you. Very poorly indeed. You keep this secret until I've got a chance to confer with my higher-ups. After that point, you can relax. Until then, take your loot and get out of here. She lowers this uh, barrier of stone pillars and uh, allows you to poke through uh, this professor's cloak. With Illyria's arms full, they walk back out of the Barbican uh, with Igor at their shoulder. Looking back, we can see Professor Brana looking around furtively and then beginning to wave her half cape over this body, adjusting the evidence so that this scene will look different, possibly even disappearing it, but she's ordered you to leave, and so we do so. We continue down the hallway as Illyria says to Igor, Gods, what a day. I don't know what became of Chu out in the forest, and I'm afraid for her. On one side, House Dahlia spies, Luca Brusca spies, and then out in the forest, the pack of the Eternal Hunger has got people injured. Dying, even, if the professors can't get to them. I don't know what to do, Igor. Thank you so very much for joining me. Before you go anywhere, let's talk about our quests. Uh, as I mentioned before, go ahead and use the links command if you wish to jump in and uh, learn more about the Sidecar Stories family of products. <laughs> <laughs> I stream Wednesdays and Thursdays. Wednesdays are Tabletop RPG Day. Side Cannons is the blanket name for those. So if you want to find back episodes of this, if you want to catch up with this uh, campaign from the beginning, go ahead and look for Spotify. You can look on YouTube. Uh, you want to find uh, Side Cannons over on Spotify. That's the name of the podcast that it's listed as. Um, and then um, you can go ahead and catch up on all those back episodes. 
However, um, head on over to the Discord. We'll talk about some of these things midweek. Our last step for today is to discuss XP and what? XP and that, yeah? Let's talk about it. Um, we have got a couple of quests in place. Uh, and in order to complete them, we're going to have to make some progress here. So uh, let me see. We hit um, do it or swear an iron vow and mark the bond. Um, okay. So Illyria is going to, I think, make a new, a new vow here um, to keep... Uh, because I, I think Illyria sees some value in, uh, like having a connect like a like a spy, you know, introductory magic, but advanced spycraft. Um, hey, Morbid, thank you very very much. Uh, and Dartfrog, I want to say I saw your message. We were in the middle of some stuff, so I apologize for not getting to it earlier. But Dartfrog says, "Hey, just stopped in to show my appreciation for Sidecar Sam and all you've done. I've listened and listened to you all at work, stocking the shelves and the night shift. It's amazing to have my favorite character keep me company, such as Ron, Harry, and Katniss. I am more than appreciative. Thanks a million, Sam." Thank you. Hey, Dark Frog, you are very, very welcome. Um, I am really glad I was able to keep you company because I've had others keep me company before and I am honored and thankful that uh, you invited me in and uh, allowed me to keep you company as well. Um, you know, the Adventure Zone, uh, Dimension 20. I've, I've had people keep me company and uh, I'm really appreciative that uh, you have allowed me to keep you company. Fantastic. Uh, Memnite says so late. Yeah, you're catching us right here at the wrap up. Um, which Memnite, you're actually you are you tend to be fairly good at that timing. <laughs> all right, let's talk about our quests. First of all, you can put the quests command into chat at any point. Uh, remember that the pursue, uh, excuse me, study the history of Duskin. You actually were able to cross that one off the list, so I need to remove that one from the command. I will do that in a bit. But uh, let's talk about uh, Illyria's first. Um, actually, you know what? We're going to talk about Igor's first so that y'all have a chance to put some responses into chat. Two things that I would like to discuss with y'all. Um, first of all, you probably aren't in a great position to end any of these uh, on good terms. However, two questions. First, do you want to write any new quests? All right, so based on like some of the things that you experienced today, based on your experience with the the... Uh, the back catalog of this campaign, the previous episodes. Is there anything here where you're like, I want to pursue this as a quest? If you've got anything in that form, please let me know as I'm reading through these and as I'm reading through mine, and we can talk about turning that into a, a quest for you. Secondly, there is one on here that you've considered doing this before, and it's possible that you might want to. Um, whether now or later, I don't know, but um, you can give up on quests. Uh, you have to do something called... Uh, forsake your vow and you're going to suffer minus spirit equal to the rank of your quest and I will warn you that will knock your spirit down to zero because uh, you have not had a lot of chance to rest up um, I will say that unless you decide to get involved with what's happening uh, down at gambler's fall or something like that we'll say that we will assume by default that you are going to try and take a rest before the next session because you're gonna have the opportunity to do so um, uh, so, yeah, uh, basically, Igor, I'm going to assume that you're not going to get involved, and I'm going to assume that you're going to take that rest um, and, uh, you know, use some of this downtime to try and uh, uh, try and 
regain your health and spirit and also maybe identify some of these objects and items that you pulled off this body. Um, <laughs> Dartfrog says, can you forgive your own death and absolve? Uh, possibly, yeah, you could. Uh, Numb God says, examining the newfound items. Uh, can we uh, do that to know better about it or is that a passive thing? Um, uh, I, I think I think that's okay. Now it's gonna be one of these like fairly easy quests um, wherein, you know, you're going to like, uh, it, it probably won't take super long, but you also won't get a ton of XP for it. But I think that's a fine vow. Um, identify the items from, uh, Professor, um, shoot, started with an E, Ertrick, there we go. Um, Professor Ertrick, the Luca Brusca spy. Absolutely. Um, ooh, find the rune carver. Now that's a quest right there. That's uh, and and when I say it like that because like that would be a long term one. Um, now I will say, if you wish, we can consider this to be part of your avenging your own death uh, one, which means that you would get to make an advancement on an existing one rather than start a new one. Um, However, if you wish to do it, uh, you can certainly do it either way. Um, but either way, like, we're going to get you some some progress toward these things, for sure. Because Morbid Angel, I think that's a, I think that's a great call. Um, so either we can count this as advancement toward your avenging your own death, because it's, you know, clearly tied up into that. Um, Sanders says advance. I think that's the one that makes the most sense to me, probably. But y'all can let me know if you want to do it differently. Um, but uh, yeah, I think so. So let's take a look at your current quests. Uh, let me know if you want to add any to this and if you want to remove any from this. Um, first, identify the items from Professor Ertrick, the Luca Brusca spy. I'm gonna call this an easy one, one star difficulty. Avenge your own death, that's a four star difficulty. Um, make a good impression on Pinelli, that is two star difficulty. Uh, and then pursue academics, that is three stars. Now, you went to class, so you are obviously going to get uh, a bit of progress for that. That puts you at three out of 10 progress. I know some of these numbers aren't gonna make a lot of sense, but basically um, the harder the quest, the slower you fill progress. It's always out of 10 progress. It just, some of them fill up slower than others. Um, and uh, the real slow ones are the ones that get you the big payout in XP. So, um, you've absolutely made some progress on avenging your own death as well, uh, which means that you are going to grab an additional, how many ticks? Not a full X, but how many ticks? Um, let's see, where is it? Reach a milestone, here we go. Um, two ticks, you were at one tick before, okay, fantastic. So, um, to avenge your own death, you are almost at two out of 10. This is a long time quest, this is how long time quests go, but you've advanced upon it, and uh, you know, when you, when you come out of that one, that's gonna be enormous. Um, but yeah, you, you've discovered quite a bit. And in addition, you have also done some uh, pursuing of academics. Um, you have not done anything this round, I don't think, to make a good impression on Pinelli. And I know y'all had discussed potentially dropping that quest before. Uh, please let me know if that is something you would like to do. Uh, I will warn you, it's possible it will kill you. <laughs> um... This might not be the time. We'll say that you heal up and then maybe you wanna hold on to that one until later. Cause basically you're gonna to have to do something called suffer stress, um, which means you're going to, it's gonna lower your spirit. 
based on the difficulty of that quest, it is going to take your spirit down to zero and below zero, uh, and you may have to face desolation, um, which is going to be, I mean, you, it's a it's only a ten percent chance, but it's still I mean it's still like very possible. So maybe you hold on to it for right now. You still you've already got the open slot available to you. You don't need to worry about it too much. So let me know if y'all have any additional thoughts about that. Right now, I've got you marked down as, so far, uh, to identify the items from Professor Ertrick, no progress out of 10. Uh, to avenge your own death, you've got darn near two progress out of 10. To make a good impression on Penelope, one progress out of 10. And pursuing academics, you've got three progress out of 10. Um, you don't have to fill it all the way up to 10, but my number is like a seven. A seven can give you a, a reasonable guarantee that you're going to get some good XP out of it because ultimately we'll roll against that number. It's complicated if you can't actually see it. Um, it's not a terribly complicated system, but if you can't actually look at how it works, I don't want to like explain it every time how it works. <laughs> Meanwhile, Illyria's quest, return to Brackwater ready to settle down. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give myself another tick mark on this because uh, after this fight, Illyria is definitely feeling overwhelmed basically anytime uh illyria this is a super long-term one so i i take 25 percent. i take one quarter of a mark uh every time i progress on this one quarter of a mark um uh return to brackwater ready to settle down i am now at 1.5 progress uh but basically anytime something that happens uh that really like would might scare me into going back home um I mark progress. Study under a Lycan mentor. Um, now, we did not explore this last week, but I'm definitely going to count uh, uh, those studies with Chu as something to that effect. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and mark one progress. That gives me two out of 10. Discover the truth of the underbrush. I have made no progress there. And frankly, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to. Um, uh, I'm going to swear an additional vow here to keep Professor Brana's secret. Safe. Um, and I'm going to actually say to protect Professor Brana's secret. Because I think Illyria is thinking more along the along the lines of like, okay, if I just keep the secret, that's fine. Me and Professor Brana will go separate ways. However, if I can actually get kind of in tight with Professor Brana, that might be good for us. So I'm going to mark that as an actual vow. I'm going to say that this is a, honestly, it's a pretty easy one overall. So I'm going to go ahead and call this, no, I'm going to say to protect it, to keep the secret is one thing, to actually protect her secret, like actively. I'm going to call this a, a, a two-star, two-star difficulty. And then finally pursue expeditioneering. Nope, still locked out of that program for now. I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed. Okay, uh, fantastic. And then let's make a couple of rolls here to to see um, about resting up because I think that's going to be important. Um, uh, King Num God says, I think examining the item would definitely help us no matter the situation. Um, since Sam did say the items are going to be great, even wonderful. Yeah, I, I want to make them interesting. They're going to be fun. I'm not. What I'm not going to guarantee you is that they're going to be crazy powerful, but they are going to be like interesting. They're going to let you do unique things that you couldn't do before. Um, but I'm, I'm really not a big fan of... Oh, there are lichen outside. Werewolf attack. Can you hear him? 
Um, I'm not a big fan of like, here's some loot, it's a plus five sword. Or it's a plus three sword. Oh, here's some new loot, plus four sword. Um, not a big fan of that. I like stuff that lets you do unique things. And so, yes, there is this weapon here. Um, it, it is there, but it is more concealable than it is powerful. Um, however, I won't, I also won't say that there, there won't be some kind of weapon around him. We'll see. We'll see. Um, uh, let's see indeed. Okay. Um, a ghost shield or something. Now that would be interesting. Um, let's do some resting. I don't think Illyria is going to rest. I think Illyria is going to stay upright. I'm still at full health. My spirit's at four. My supply is pretty wretched, but um, I think Illyria might leave you in the bunk room this, this time around. Um, Igor, however, uh, like I said, unless you want to sort of get involved with something else, go ahead and let me know. You're currently at one health, one spirit, one supply. All of those are out of five. So you are like... You're low down. You're not feeling great. Um, I'm gonna roll to rest up here. Oh, good, come on! You can't get a break. Okay, let's see what happens here. Um, I, uh, I guess, you know what? Seeing how badly off you are, Illyria is going to help for sure. You just, So here's what just happened. I, in this system, I roll 1d6, that is your action dice, and then I roll 2d10, those are your challenge dice. The challenge dice determine how difficult something is, and you want to beat one of those numbers for a weak hit, you want to beat both of them for a strong hit, uh, if you can't beat either one of them, that's a miss, and something bad happens. You just rolled two tens. On a match, that is considered a crit. If you can beat the match, that is a crit hit. If you can't beat it, that is a crit fail. That is a critical hit or a critical failure. And so two tens, hard to, because you're gonna have to hit an 11 on this. Now you rolled a six. <sighs> you rolled a six. What? How am I gonna be able to get you the most possible healing? <sighs> Okay, this is going to be Sojourn. When you spend time in a community seeking assistance, roll plus heart. If you share a bond, uh, add plus one. I don't know if I can get you to an 11. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I would need to give you a plus five. I can't. How does this keep happening? On a miss, you find no help here. Pay the price. Igor, you're just like sick and hurting all the time. This sucks. I am going to heal you. It, it's not it, It's not gonna be as powerful as a sojourn turn, but I'm going to work on healing you here um, because I, I can't stand this. Uh, that that you, This keeps happening to you and I don't know how. Um, I think what I'm gonna do is to pay the price, let's roll for it just to be fair. I hope it doesn't have you take harm or anything. Uh, 17. On a 17, your action has an unintended effect. I'm gonna keep that as a note for later, but overall, that's okay. That's a pretty tame one. Um, healing, I should say sojourn. Was a miss. Your action has an unintended effect. Uh, and for next week, I will decide what that means to us. 
can you like get used to being hurt or something says dart frog not a bad question at this point come on dang it okay um roll plus wits if you are mending your own wounds roll plus wits or iron whichever is lower so i'm gonna roll plus wits except i think i can do something with herbalist uh if i've got at least one supply which frankly i don't but i'm gonna take your supply because i'm gonna say that that's fair um if I've got one supply, I can add plus two, or on a hit, I can take or give an additional plus one health. I'm gonna give myself a, eh, no, cause I've got my plus seven momentum and I will absolutely burn some momentum on this. So I'm gonna say on a hit, I'm gonna take or give an additional plus one health. So that at least I can get you higher up on this. Cause man, is this terrible that this keeps happening to you. Bro. I've got seven momentum. Seven momentum means, and I, I it, it says I have to decide before rolling. Seven momentum means that if the challenge dice are seven or lower, I can delete them. I just rolled an eight and a 10 against a one, which means I can't do anything to help you. And I'm gonna pay the price. I don't mind paying the price, but I, I hate that this, like, I can't do anything for you. Nobody can. These The dice continue to decide that you just can't be healed, and it's going to kill you sooner rather than later. I'm mad about it. I'm going to funnel this into, my, into uh, whatever story comes next here. I'm really frustrated by this. I'm going to have to go peruse this system to see if there's any way to just, like, hey, we've got, like tons of time to rest can we say maybe we just gain a little bit of health <sighs> on a full miss I, I forgot to add on yours is a miss with a twist so whatever your unintended effect is it's a big deal Okay, for me, I rolled a 97. That's a very high number, which makes me anxious. Let's see. A friend, companion, or ally is put in harm's way. Are you kidding me? Are you joking? Okay. For Illyria. A friend, companion, or ally is put in harm's way. Okay. Y'all, next week is going to be apparently a big episode, as decided by the dice. I know the sort of events that may possibly take place next week. Um, you know, just based on my notes, but hey, y'all, this is very bad for Igor. Igor is at a, is at one health, one spirit, one supply. We got to do something about this gang. Everybody, I hope you will join me over in Discord where we can talk about strategy, how we might best, uh, you know, keep Igor alive this next session. Uh, that is where I'll be putting the list of the interesting things that you have identified from this body. Sounds like some of them might be dangerous based on what the dice say to us, but um, 
but yeah, last resort, try to get Brana involved. Very possible. Um, <laughs> Dart Frog says, about to die three times. Yes, indeed. Um, King Numb says, maybe ask a teacher to heal us. Uh, the healing actually killed us. Yeah, so uh, definitely a possibility. Um, but I want to say thank you very much to Morbid Angel and uh, King Numb. Uh, thank you for jumping in today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Like I said, go over to uh, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts uh, and search for Side Cannons. Or you can just look for the Sidecar Stories YouTube channel and you'll be able to find these things there. Um, and uh, In addition to a few other things that I'm slowly in the process of uploading, including some of the one-shots that we did um, in eight part mini-series called The After, a post-apocalyptic uh, fiasco series. Uh, that one was a ton of fun. Uh, we did a Halloween one-shot and, of course, season one, campaign one of Side Cannons. Um, yeah, no problem, Morbid. I'm glad you were able to join us. Uh, Y'all, go check out the rest of the episodes, see how we got to this point, who we are, where we are, why we're here. Um, and, uh, of course, head on over to the link tree for all of the important spots, most especially the Discord. Folks, it has been absolutely grand. I will see you next week. Uh, or if you want to be here tomorrow for The Hunger Games, which you're reading through, tomorrow is going to be the last episode of Book Two. And if you want to find that, uh, the back episodes of that, you can go search for Flying Sidecar wherever you get your podcasts. Folks, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, goodbye, Hen. Hen. I start three and a half hours ago. Hen, you can't be rolling in here at 3.30 p.m. My time, hoping for the stream to still be going on. Hen, what are you doing, Hen? I love y'all. See you later. Bye-bye.